Thanks for joining us on the Lex City Church Podcast. We would love to connect with you and help you take the next step at Lex City. So head to lexcity.church and click on Next Steps. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, welcome to week three. And as we said, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the strengths of these amazing temperaments that God has created us with from the very beginning. And so it should be a little easier than last week. Last week we took a little time to really do that hard heart work to say, what are some of the weaknesses and how does the Spirit of God need to, the fruit of the Spirit need to be more evident in my life? But as we talk about strengths today, let me just remind you, for some of you, this is going to be a harder truth to embrace than the other, right? Some of us, we're really good at identifying our weaknesses and we're really good at uh, embracing our struggles, but sometimes it's hard to come to peace about God, how God has wonderfully made you in the strengths and the privileges that, that come with that. And so that's really where we're gonna head this morning. I wanna remind you a big thought, that you were created unique, and here's the last part, you were created unique and created to be useful. That God has something in mind, a greater purpose for you in your uniqueness than simply just to be unique. He wants it to be useful. Look what it says here in terms of what God's purpose is for you in Ephesians. It says, in him we have an obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Reminder again, this isn't about you and it's not about me. It's about his purpose and God's will for your life. And God has that unique purpose for you, again, that we will find related back to, again, a little bit of the strengths that we have. So as we begin to think about this idea of what are the temperaments and how do our strengths go in, let me just kind of frame frame the the conversation for you. So there's really a thought in our culture, like for me, I'm, I'm a green. And if we're not careful, we define strength this way. The, the idea is when we come to our temperance, we want to identify our weaknesses, I mean potential growth areas, identify these weaknesses, and we want to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort. And if we can just raise the level of our weaknesses up higher, then that's really what we're striving to do. So you don't need to spend much time thinking about your strengths because their strengths, the key is really focus a lot on your weaknesses that you can be balanced in that. I want to propose to you this morning, that's not the way to think about our strengths and our weaknesses. It is, though, the way the culture keeps pushing us. If you don't believe that's the case, think back to the days when you brought your report card home or parents when your child brought the report card home. You open the report card, you have uh, two A's, two B's, and a D. What is the first thing as a parent that came out of your mouth? Well, let's talk about that D. We need to figure out how we can get that D, raise it up to a B, and we kind of go on this way. Where did we spend very little attention? The two A's. The thing that your child is exceptional at are the things that we spent very little time talking about. Now listen, let me say real clearly. It's very important that we lean into the D. It needs to come up to a level of competency. I I speak that out of first hand. Real life examples, that's me. Uh, my report cards, I always had a D for my parents to work with me on. Uh, so all the way through elementary school, uh, I had D's handwriting. I can guarantee a D in handwriting all the way through that I came. Now here's the amazing thing, is that I've been writing now for almost 50 years. Uh, if you've received a handwritten card from me, uh, you can confirm why my teachers gave me a D in handwriting, right? Penmanship, not there. I'm not even a doctor, and it's just bad, you know, kind of deal. Now, if I would just put a lot of effort in to say, I want to get better at my handwriting, I'm telling you, folks, I could maybe make it up to like a C minus in calligraphy. That's about all I'm going to do because it's just a weakness for me that I have. 
And in these weaknesses and in these temperaments, sometimes we want to hope that they're going to change over time, but I, I want to remind you and encourage you to think this way. This is how God created you from the very beginning. We may modify a little bit in these areas, but you're going to be true to who God created you from the very beginning. Hopefully, as we walk with Jesus longer and the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evidence in our life, there's some balance to this, but the reality is we're wired pretty similar. Some of you, as children, you were great at making friends on the playground, and you're even better at making friends around the water cooler. Some of you were very neat and tidy, and you had your lunchbox. You were kind of like my wife, Tammy. Everything was in a perfect place. They had little notes on there and happy faces on your little sandwiches, and it was all cut pretty. Now, listen, forward this. Now she's a wife and mother running a house with two crazy boys and a husband who won't put his socks away, and yet still the house is orderly and it's put together. Why? Because that's how she's been wired from the very beginning. Some of you are free thinkers, ideas people. As a young person, you remember, you always had ideas. Things were always going on in your brain. Listen, fast forward to where you are now in life, and listen, when you give yourself time, you're still a wonderful ideas person and thinkers. You've already thought of four things that if we ever did this series again, that we could do better because your mind is just rolling that way all the time. Listen, it's amazing how God has wonderfully made you and created you even from your mother's womb. With that context in mind, here's our big thought for the morning I want us to really wrestle with, and it's simply this. Your greatest impact comes when you leverage your strengths and you manage your weaknesses. Let me give that to you again, because if you can just let that kind of sink in. Our greatest impact comes when we leverage our strengths and we manage our, our weaknesses. See, if you've got to manage your weaknesses, right, that they're not a deterrent to your strengths, but if we can learn to manage them, here's what I know. Listen, you are only going to be average in your weaknesses. But you can be extraordinary in your strengths. I, I, I'm only ever going to be average at penmanship and things. But I have the ability to be extraordinary in the things that God has created me in. In your weaknesses, no matter how much effort and time you put in, you're going to experience incremental growth. But if you can put that same time of energy and, and focus onto your strengths, you're going to find exponential growth in those areas over and over again. You see, when I was younger, I, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to lead and worship. I wanted to be Josh. That was, I didn't know it was Josh, but that's why I, I wanted to be Josh when I was little. And uh, so there's a problem. Um, if you, my wonderful wife, if you sit around in my section on worship time on Sunday morning, uh, you will quickly realize, that's not in your strength. You know, you're, you're excited about it, but you're just not very good about it. But I wanted to do that. So I took piano lessons, right? A couple years of piano lessons. A couple years in, my piano teacher encouraged me, said, Brian, I think maybe you ought to try another instrument. I'm good. Oh, yeah. So I went and took guitar. About six months into my guitar lessons, my instructor said, you know, you ought to consider going back to piano. You know, that's kind of how this thing went. I took trumpet for nine years. Never got higher than second chair. See, all the effort didn't matter because my growth was incremental because it wasn't in the area of my giftedness that I had. Marcus Buckingham, a great thinker on this idea of living in your strengths, written numerous books. He so challenges me when you think about that. And in one of his books, he talks about even the science 
affirms this idea that the power of living within our strengths. So, you know, we all have these synoptic little transmitters in our brain, and it's interesting, most of these gravitate around your brain in areas of your strength, and when you do things in those areas, they fire off and actually are more powerful than if you try to do things in the other part of your brain uh, that aren't within your strengths. And so, again, science just affirms what we know so to be true. It gives evidence to a divine creation that was created by a divine creator who knew you and said, I'm even gonna wire it in your brain that when you do the things that are in your strengths, it's even gonna show more miraculous things than if you try to do the opposite. I love the fact of how amazing God is in that. So in our body, physically, there's advantages to living within our strengths. Emotionally, there's values of living in our strength. You see, an unhealthy focus on my weaknesses continues to deny who I am and continues to make me always try to be something that I'm not. If I'm always striving to raise these kind of things, listen, it's hard to live in joy. It's hard to live in contentment. It's hard to experience impact. But when I can get to the point of living and acknowledging in my strengths, then what am I doing? I'm really acknowledging, God, this is who you created me to be. And I'm thankful for that. Let me leverage this. There's joy, there's contentment, there's impact that comes within that. So emotionally, it's such a powerful thing. This week, I wanna share with you uh, four of our color characters. And this time, I wanna share with you some of our very own from our staff, folks that I think have identified their strengths and are trying to be in this process of living and experiencing and ministering within those strengths. Check this out. I'm Julie McFarland. I'm the Kids City Director here at Lex City, and I am a yellow. As I look through this list online of strengths, I'm inspiring, curious, I'm sincere, persuasive, creative, people-oriented, oh, affectionate. I'm affectionate. Hi! Hi! I love you! I love you more! You're the bestest helper ever! I just want to tell you, you're so awesome! Thanks! I love having a yellow in the office. Hey, Tanya, Tanya, Tanya. I just love you. Oh, I love you. Hey, Dave. Hey. Hey, I just want to tell you, you're smarty. Oh, thanks, Julie. Oh, you're welcome. You're, you're so, such a good guy. You're so yellow. One of them is I'm joyful, which comes in pretty handy when you're dealing with kids and families and welcoming them to church because it probably wouldn't be good if I was Grumpy. Creative. I love thinking of myself as creative and being good on stage and being a good storyteller. I love that Jesus was a good storyteller too and that I can reach kids in Kid City through story. Looks good on the surface. <laughs> I mean, um, inspires others to join. That's probably really handy considering um, Kid City is run on volunteers. So being a yellow helps my family too. I've got two beautiful daughters and the world's hard. And having that cheerful attitude and I can turn any situation into comedy just about um, is really good to help diffuse them, encourage them. It's important to have a yellow in your life because we bring the sunshine. We are uniquely wired to see the strengths and the people that are around us. And we wanna tell you how great you are. Hey, Lex City, my name is TJ Clausen. I am the youth director here, and I am a green. As I look at some of the green strengths, kind and considerate, accommodating, easygoing, relaxed, quiet but witty, agreeable, cooperative, reliable, content, and likable. Green is kind of that weird personality. I never knew where I fit, because I'm introverted, 
but I need to like have an impact on people. I like easygoing and relaxed. Uh, working with students, you gotta be a little easygoing and relaxed. They're gonna break stuff. They're gonna say stuff that they probably shouldn't stay. Um, but you gotta not take yourself too seriously and let them have that safe space that's just fun. A good listener, that's another big thing that I use pretty much every week with students, just making sure they feel like they can come talk to me about whatever it is and that they can trust that I'm gonna give them real advice, but I'm not gonna judge them. Uh, a team player or just this sense of unity and peace is really big to me. With our team, like we do a huddle with all of our volunteers every week before we start, because I just wanna make sure we're all on the same page. I do love people, but I'm introverted. And so I know that I gotta have some me time before I hang out with other people. I'm sure a lot of greens are like me. Greens, we're into the podcast. Uh, I always got my headphones in when I'm working. I'm listening to something to get some me time before I gotta go give to people around me. So my wife is a red. Her being red, she gets frustrated because I can't make decisions as a green and she's a red who's just like, make the decision. Greens are very good at being good listeners, making sure the other person feels heard. Um, but then at the same time, still sticking true to the things that we believe in and the decisions that we believe are the right decisions. Most of the youth pastors you think of are probably yellows and reds. As a green, we're relatable to students because a lot of students are trying to figure out who they are. I think everyone thinks they're supposed to be this big extroverted personality. I think us greens are very confident in who we are. And I think that's something that students really gravitate towards and just need in their life and can show them no matter what their temperament is, just to be confident in their strengths and continue to, to be the best version of themselves that God created them to be. Hey Lex City, my name's Stephanie and I'm the financial controller and I'm a blue. Some of my strengths that I have are analytical, works well alone, perfectionist, needs to finish what is started, detailed and accurate, loyal and devoted, deep friendships, quality over quantity, and a lot of that relate to what I do here at the church. Um, my perfectionism, making sure that, that financial results are accurate. I really think that having high integrity is um, super important. You know, when people at Lex City give, you know, they need to know that the person at the other end has a really high level of integrity who can make sure that their gifts are going to the purpose that they've, that they've given them for. I love that what I get to do here helps people get to know Jesus. I have um, two green kids, which has been kind of interesting, and my husband's red, so like I'm only blue in the family. You know, I think that, that Ken and I both used our task-oriented strengths to, to really teach the kids things like budgeting, how to take care of their money, you know, just trying to keep them focused. Yeah, I think I've really been able to use my strengths to help my kids, you know, in areas that would naturally be their weaknesses helping keep them on task. As a blue, I love order, so file cabinets speak my love language. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Josh, now I wanna know all about your strengths, cause I'm a yellow and we like to know about your strengths. Okay. What do you got? All right, I'm Josh, I'm the Creative Arts Director here at Lex City, and uh, I'm a red. I'm decisive, I can control my emotions and emergencies, I can appear confident, I'm energized by challenges, I'm persuasive, self-directed, compulsive need for change, I love change. I always have a plan and purpose, and I'm highly task-oriented. I'm gonna cut this piece of wood to look cool. <laughs> task accomplished, check. 
So being effective and efficient with resources and time, we have a lot of video projects, a lot of production equipment. Even with our early weekend service on Thursday night, we have a service every three or four days. You know, we talk about in creative world, it usually takes an hour of time to create a minute of content at minimum. And so we're spending hours every week trying to create content. And I love trying to do that efficiently and effectively every week. Um, Decision-making. Dang. <laughs> what I love about our staff is that we have so many different colors. We have reds and greens and blues and yellows. Brian and I are total opposites. He's a green and I'm a red. And we get to come together every week to create a weekend experience where we get to worship Jesus, we get to learn more about the Bible, and we get to point people to a God who loves them. Part of being a red is that I can make quick decisions and I have to have the courage to make the choices knowing not everyone is going to agree with them, um, but that we have to keep going. We have to keep telling people about Jesus. So I get to do that every week. And he loves it! <laughs> All right, lesson learned, never give a yellow a camera. That's the, uh, but I love that. Yeah, I love that. Why? Because it's, it's within their strengths. And uh, as a green, I love that video, mainly because I did not have to be in it, which was wonderful. But also, it, I, one of the strengths of a green is, is the ability to just love that people work within their giftedness and seeing them strive in such a way. And I love that about our staff. I think most of them are placed in places. They would say this is really within a strength, which is unusual. Statistics say only two out of 10 people say they are either living and working within the context of the strength means eight out of 10 of us are probably in areas that are probably aren't, that always fill us in the same way as we would go. So if we think about that, here's, I wanna take just a moment and define, again, when we say strength, what that means. A strength is not simply something that you are good at, it's something that you have an appetite for. Simply stated, when you're done with it, it leaves you feeling strong, right? Because there are things that every one of you is really good at that doesn't leave you feeling strong. See the difference? I've got two sons. So TJ, our oldest, you got to just meet here a little bit ago, and our younger son, Trent. So we're a family of runners, and so we all like to do that. Now, when our kids were young, uh, actually, TJ was the better runner through the middle school years than Trent. But it's interesting how the appetite has changed. They just uh, ran the Chicago Marathon here not too long ago, and uh, TJ, at the end of it, simply said this, I will never do that again. Uh, Trent was like, what, only 26 miles? Let's go do this again. It's his appetite, he's fed it, he just keeps running. You know, last year he was top 10 in the country in steeplechase for division two, why it was an appetite. So your strength is not necessarily something that you're just good at, it's something you have a desire and fulfills you in such a way that you are. Because you're gonna be good at lots of things that aren't your strengths because you're competent people, right? You have all kinds of things that you do that you're really efficient at. But again, that's why we say in the context of Lex City, we want you to serve not out of obligation. We want you to serve in the context of your strengths. I anybody can hold a baby and anybody can open a door and welcome people. But when it's a strength, you understand how to nurture a child and you understand that the love and the care that just feeds their little souls. When it's in your strengths, you have the emotional and the relational intelligence to open a door and greet somebody and make them feel welcome and at ease in such a way. It's not an issue of obligation or competency, it's an issue of strengths. And so again, we say to you, we'd love to have you serve in places that do that. So how do you identify that for yourself? Marcus Buckingham, again, has some great research and, and ways to do that. One practical way that he says to identify your strengths, he says, is just pay attention. Pay attention to how you feel before the event. Pay attention to how you feel during the event. And then pay attention to how you feel when it's over. 
Are you anticipating the thing that's coming up? Are you looking forward to it? When you're in the midst of it, does time fly by quickly and you enjoy it? And at the end, has it satisfied the appetite within you? Do you feel fulfilled about those things? Practical way to do it. You got your phone for one week, just keep your phone with you, and every time you do an activity that you think might be a strength, just make a note of that. If you're doing this thing that like, man, I was looking forward, I'm, I'm excited to be able to do this, or while you're in it, you're like, wow, that was enjoyable, or at the end, it was like, that was meaningful. I really felt like that was significant. Make a note of that each day, and uh, at the end of the week, go back through your list. I bet three things will pop out to you. I mean, those are potentially the strengths that you have, because again, our goal in this part of our series is not just to help you understand how you are unique, but it's to understand how you are useful. How is it that God created you for his greater purpose that he has? Let me give you an example. Take example, the Bible, all right? Now, we believe that this is the inspired and errant word of God, that God used human authors through the influence of the Spirit. God used human authors with their own uh, perspectives, their own temperaments to write the words, but the Spirit intended upon it that every word would be the word of God that's here. And so as you think about that, think about like the New Testament. This thing called the church had just been launched, Acts chapter 2. And after a period of time, unfortunately, the church becomes, they start going a little bit wayward, right? We have false teachers that are entering in, speaking about different ways that it means to be saved. You have churches that are they're, they're not as orderly, and it's kind of chaotic, and things are going awry. So here you are, God, and God wanting to speak truth in the New Testament has some letters written. What temperament do you think God would choose to write a firm, courageous statement on what truth is, what a church should look like, and what the gospel? What temperament do you think he'd use? He'd use a a red, absolutely, that's there. Now, for you reds, and I love y'all, you have gotten kind of a bad rap these first couple weeks. You feel like we've been picking on you a little bit, so I wanted to start with you as the reds and remind you the incredible power of your temperament that you have. You see, when God wanted to speak truth into this new thing called the church, he chose a spirit-filled red. Any guess who that was? The Apostle Paul that was there. So Apostle Paul is gonna write a letter specifically to the church of Corinth. Now, can you imagine had God said, listen, I'm not gonna bring a red to write this letter. I'm gonna have a green write the letter to the church of Corinth. Green letter, might have gone something like this. Uh, well, church, hey, sorry to bother you. I know you got a lot going on, really busy, saving people and all that, but I've got some concerns. They're not big concerns, they're not little concerns. They're just concerns, some things I kind of want you to be aware of. I mean, I heard your services, spirit-filled, lots of energy. I'm really excited for you guys, cheering for you on that. But when people who aren't go to your church, they come to your church, they're kind of confused what's happening. Now, I understand the issues are not your issues. It's their issues. They're bringing it into the church. I, I, but, but we got to deal with it on this, okay? And so your church service kind of a little disorderly, and you know, God's a God of order, and so I think you'd want us to be orderly. So can I encourage you to consider, ponder, you know, maybe if you get around to it, could you, could you consider like how we could make our church services a little bit more orderly to honor God? I mean, that would be the lamest letter of all, but a green, we'd be like, man, we brought the thunder, you know? And, uh, and God's like, come on now. I got to bring a truth that will realign the church. I'm bringing it with a red. I want to bring it strong. And so listen to what Paul says to the church of Corinth and then how he talks to some of the false teachers. 1 Corinthians 14, he says, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meetings and hear everyone speaking in unknown languages, they'll think you are crazy. 
And one Bible says they'll, they'll think you're drunk. I think is how the old King James says it. It doesn't mix any words. Like, you, you get it. Like, folks, you're, you're whack. We gotta get this thing taken out because people on church are kind of confused. And then he goes on, this is my favorite. So the Apostle Paul, when it comes to, uh, to false teachers that were talking about this idea that you had to be circumcised in order to be saved, look what he says here in Philippians. He says, watch out for those dogs. No change of words, you're just bringing us strong, these dogs. Those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved, all right? No mixing of words. These are dogs who are mutilators. And then he goes on, because this is, Paul gets fired up about this stuff. Give me the next one in Galatians. I wish that those troublemakers, no sparing of words, who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. <laughs> I mean, just go mutilate yourself, brothers, because you're dogs and you're troublemakers. And this is, I mean, when God wanted a powerful truth spoken, he said, man, I'm gonna bring a red. No compromise, not gonna mix words. It's gonna call heresy, heresy, and go tell them to go mutilate themselves. I mean, I love it. A green would be like, oh, I can't believe you did it. When God wanted to bring some of the most powerful, theological, deep truths to the church, he goes to a red. 13 books written by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament with some of the greatest teachings on theology that's in there. And the Apostle Paul, we know some of his Gospels are talking about the prison Gospels, that they were written while Paul was imprisoned. Now think about any other temperament who is imprisoned. They would very easily wander towards self-pity and wallowing and woe is me, not a red. Come on now. Greater the challenge or rising up. Going to put me in prison? Not a big deal. You're gonna put a guard with me, chain of 24 hours? Great, I got a church of one. I'm gonna preach to this guy, and when the new guard comes in, I'm gonna preach to this guy, and I'm just gonna go. The greater the obstacle, the greater the conviction, uncompromising, this is the Apostle Paul in such a powerful, powerful way. Your strength rises to the surface in times of difficulty. Red, never become less than who God created you to be. Paul's your man. Bring it when you need it. Bible, God's gonna create and, and give for us the Bible and he wants to make the point, I, I wanna help everybody understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament come together. That it's really all a story that just leans us and focuses on Jesus. That the stories of old are connected to the stories that are new and, and my hand is in this whole thing that it's full of order, it's purposeful, it's methodical. There's a sense, what color do you think God would use to communicate that message in the scripture? A blue, right? Matthew. What was Matthew's profession before he became an apostle? He was a what? Tax collector. Money, details, order, very methodical about what he does. So here's the book of Matthew, right? Consists of 1,071 verses in the book of Matthew. 165 times, or 15% of the verses that are in there, Matthew uses a phrase formula. When A, then B. All right, so when this happened, when Jesus was born in Nazareth, that fulfilled this prophecy. When this happened, then that. It's a very analytical, it's a very consistent way of thinking, and it shouldn't shock us at all that a blue person would write the book in such a way. The book of Matthew, it's this wonderful chronological story of the life of Jesus, right? Beginning in the very beginning and going all the way to the end. It tells us how Jesus' birth fulfilled prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. What was the goal of Matthew in writing that book? He wanted both Jews and Gentiles to understand that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, and so I'm going to lay out an argument. Because of this, 
then this is true. Because this was prophesied, Jesus fulfilled it, thus he is the Messiah, such a powerful way. Contrast those two colors with our favorite little yellow apostle. Now I wanna have a little fun with you yellows. Uh, the, the apostle Peter. Now here's what you're gonna notice about Peter, what I love about Peter. Look in the scriptures. Almost every time Peter is connected to a story, Peter is always talking. Every time, go believe it. Thus Peter was saying, let me give you one of my favorite accounts of, of Peter and Jesus found in John 13. <laughs> so Jesus came to Simon Peter and, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replies, you don't understand. You're talking and you're not understanding. Now what I am doing, but someday you will. He goes on to say this. No, 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 Peter said, he protested. Uh, you will never ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, listen, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, well then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord. Just not just my feet. And Jesus goes on to say, Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to be washed except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Can you get a picture? Jesus is saying, I want to wash your feet. And, and Peter's like, whoa, whoa, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my hands. And he's like, no, no, if you're bathed. No, no, wash all of them. He's so excited. And then you can just see it like, Jesus, Peter, keep your clothes on, bro. I, this is an analogy. I mean, <laughs> nobody's bathing here, you know? And I can just see the disciples like, this dude's wearing me out. And Jesus like, just hang on. This is, I'm telling you a story. I mean, this is Peter, the beauty of who he is. Think about it in the garden. When they come to the Garden of Gethsemane to take Jesus away, who grabs the sword and cuts the ear off the soldier? It's Peter. Man, I'm in the moment. Nobody's messing. Whoosh, away we go. And Jesus is like, Peter. <laughs> Why did you not bathe him? But let's not cut ears. Let's just, you know, but he's just there. But here's the beauty of Peter. When all the other colors are cowering in the boat in the midst of the storm, who rises up and gets out of the boat? Irrational faith. It's FOMO, man. I'm not, Jesus on the water, I'm going. And then twirl, and then oh, back up, you know. I mean, this is Peter. It's this moment that he has, but it's this contagious faith. Listen, for you yellows, your people skills are a gold mine to your evangelistic tools. God has given you the ability, your faith is so attractional to those around you. Man, lead with that. Be bold. Share your faith. Oh, you're going to have the greatest. You're going to walk and you're going to sink and you're going to You're going to have stories to share. It's just an amazing be true to who God created you to be. Let's take a moment and look at the very last one, our final color. It's a green. So if Matthew, a blue, records the, the accounts of Jesus' life in a chronological order, our green, we're going to see, is Luke. Now, what was Luke's profession before he became an apostle? He was a doctor. Cared for people, compassion that's here. So Matthew's gonna give us the story of Jesus in a chronological order, and we're gonna see here in the book of Luke that Luke's writing it in a very conversational manner. 13 times in the book of Luke, we have this phrase, so it was, which sounds an awful like our current phrase, like uh, once upon a time. Once upon a time, the shepherds were in the fields. So it was, the angels came and shared. It was, it's very conversational. The, the book of Luke, Luke uses more names than anybody else in his book. Why? Matthew wants to connect it chronologically, and Luke wants to connect it relationally. I want you to understand how this character connects to this character, because it's really important. In fact, he starts the whole book by telling you who he's writing the book to and how excellent this person is. He's writing the book. It's such a powerful thing. So when God wants to share this principle in his word, the importance of this. I, I want to tell you about how it's important, the importance of being rather than doing. 
I wanna tell you the story about two ladies, Mary and Martha. Who does he choose to tell the story? He chooses Luke, a green. Can you imagine if the red had told the story of Mary and Martha? So like Mary wasn't doing anything, and Martha, she's caring for everybody, and Martha's amazing, and she was working, and God's like, whoa, you read, it's chill. I, I wanna talk about being <laughs> rather than doing, right? So he goes to Green and says, let me have you share this story about the importance it is to be still and to be in the presence of the Lord that's here. See, when God had a specific message to share, he used a specific message to share it because you were created not simply to be unique, you were created to be useful. And how God uniquely made you is because God has a unique message he wants to say in you and through you. And it begins with understanding our strengths and it begins with being at peace with who God uniquely made you. 2006, a while back, I still remember the story, Warren Buffett from my hometown there in Omaha. And remember in 2006, Warren Buffett gave away $31 billion to charity, if you remember this. And he gave away $31 billion and he gave it specifically to the Bill and Melinda Gates Charity Foundation. Rather than do it himself, 31 billion, gave it to Gates. So people have always asked, like, Warren, why did you give away $31 billion and give it to the Gates Foundation rather than just do it yourself? And I love what, what Buffett says because it's so Buffett, as you know it. The first thing he says is, first reason he says, well, it's because the Gates will give it away better than me. They're just better at this than I am. Which you'd kind of maybe expect that. And then he gives a second answer as only Warren can. He says, and also, because charity is not fun for me. I'm like, what? Who says this? Who says charity is not fun? You can't say that. You gave away 31, and here's what he's saying. At first, it sounds like he's devaluing charity, saying it's irrelevant and doesn't have any impact. It's meaningless, so it doesn't, it's not fun. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I value the impact that philanthropy and charity has on this world, and I value it so much that it should not be entrusted to a person like me. I'm really good at making money. I'm really bad at giving money away. And he understood what he was strong at and what he was not. And listen, that's a silly example of charity. You and I have been entrusted with something far greater than that. You've been entrusted with the gospel. The ability to bring from left death to life. The ability to transform a life. And so how much more important is it for you and I that we understand the strengths that we have to leverage it for something far more than just charity? See, the key comes back to wherever your strength is, you have the ability to be exceptional in that area. If you manage your weaknesses, you're only gonna be ordinary along those things. And so I say, as I said in the beginning, the goal is for us is to manage our weaknesses, but really to leverage our strengths. Why? Because there's so much at stake. There's a lost world that needs you to leverage who God has uniquely meant you to be. That there's the body of Christ that we get together every week to serve and to do things. It's so important that you are serving in the context of where your strengths are because there's so much at stake. So as we think about that, the question really is this. What, what are maybe this week or in the weeks to come? What, what are two things that you can do in your life that keep moving you towards your strengths? Some of you are in jobs that are, it's not really your strength at all, but it's a means. So wh where are you volunteering? Where are you giving your life to something outside of your nine to five that's in your strengths that fulfills and satisfies the appetite that you have? For some of you, 
Where do you need to think five years from now, I wanna be doing something that's my strength rather than something I'm doing out of obligation. Maybe that's vocationally something you need to do, but where do you need to leverage that? Where do you need to serve in this world where you're not simply competent, but you're passionate? Parents, how do we need to work harder at identifying the strengths of our children and celebrating that where do we need to celebrate the A's rather than always leaning into the D's? What is it in them that they are uniquely gifted at? That you need to just fan that flame and encourage that and build that into them. See, at Lex City, we're full of a lot of Peters and Pauls and Matthews and Lukes. And we all have a story to share. We all have a story that God has given us and our ability to share that story effectively is predicated a lot on our ability to lean into the gifts and lean into our strengths that God has uniquely given you. Not simply that you can be unique, but that you can be useful where he has you. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for just that profound truth that God, there is something within each one of us that we have the ability to be exceptional at for your glory. So God, over these next weeks, as we continue to wrestle and to look into that, help us to lean into that stronger, to leverage that. Because God, you've given each one of us a unique story to share. the story of the gospel and how it changes and transforms lives. And so Lord, help us to do that well. Thank you for how you have uniquely made each of us for your purpose. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. You can stay connected with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Lex City Church. Join us for next week's podcast and have a great week.